Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to episode number 267 of the WP Builds Podcast. It's nice to have you with us. This episode is entitled... Where's the next client coming from? It was published on Thursday, the 24th of February, 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined in just a moment so that David Wormsley and I can give you Series 1, Episode 6 of our WordPress Business Bootcamp series. We're going right back to the beginning of our website building journey, and we're trying to relearn everything and kind of put a bit of a microscope on all of the different processes that we had along the way. So we're figuring out all about clients today. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping. WPBuilds.com, that's our website. If you're interested in the things that we do, we produce typically two bits of content each week. Number one of those is the This Week in WordPress show. That's live. It's recorded every Monday. You can find that at forward slash live. Alternatively, we put it out on Tuesday as a podcast episode. But we also do the Thursday podcast, which is what you're listening to now. And if you're curious about keeping in touch with what we make over at WP Builds, then head to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe and sign up to the newsletters there. Join our YouTube channel. You get the idea. There's lots of different places where you can keep in touch with what we do. Another useful page might be our deals page, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. I keep saying it's a bit like Black Friday, but every day of the week over there, you're going to find coupon codes for all sorts of WordPress related stuff. Could be plugins, themes, blocks. You get the idea, but there's loads and loads of value in there and it's there every single day of the year. So once more, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. And one more thing, if you like the idea of having a little community, and when I say little, I really do mean little, you can find that at wpbuilds.social. And yes, that is a URL, wpbuilds.social. It's a Mastodon install, and there's about 60 plus people there at the moment, and it might be quite nice to grow that little community and see if we can get some conversations started over there. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by Cloudways. Cloudways provides the ultimate managed WordPress and WooCommerce hosting solutions. Easy setup allows you to get started in minutes. Focus on your business and say goodbye to hassles. Get started with the free three-day trial to enjoy unmatched performance, superb uptime, and 24-7 active support. And you can find out more at cloudways.com. And we thank Cloudways for helping us to put on the WP Builds podcast. Okay, today we're talking, well, David Wormsley and I are talking about where do our clients come from? Like I said at the top, we're rewinding the clock, beginning our WordPress business journeys once more and trying to figure out where on earth do the clients come from? If you're very lucky, they've just dropped out of the sky. More likely you've had to do a load of work and figuring out this stuff on the way. And so we talk about that. What kind of things can you attend? What events, local business meetups? Maybe you could leverage your friendships. Maybe it's blogging. Maybe it's social interactions in random places. Maybe it's social media. There's all sorts of different ways. And David and I discuss that today. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. 
Welcome to another in our business bootcamp series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. We're on season one where we're looking at what needs to happen before a build starts. And we're on the sixth and final episode of this season where we're asking the question, where will we get our next clients from? Sounds so, good. Nathan, yeah, that's, it sounds very grandiose when you say we're on season, end of season one. It's I like, know. Like some sort I love of epoch, it. like a load happened. <laughs> yeah. I think since I've got into binge watching series on Netflix and stuff, it just sounds kind of like really grand. So yes. Like that. Yeah. Well, well, we'll be able to tell you what happens in season two at the end of this because David's got this all carefully mapped out. So uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So what's what's the premise today? The next client. Where's the next client coming from? This is this stands in contrast to our first client because the whole premise of the series so far is that we've had this this pretend client client uh, mrs a who is a lawyer yeah. but at some point during like let's say we've imagined we've successfully landed her as a client we've begun all that work you got to you can't wait until that website is finished in order to get the next one lined up you have to be juggling multiple things at once so how do we how do we find more clients? We've been lucky with the first one. Where does the second, yep. third, and fourth come from? Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the different routes, which we've talked about before together. But at the end, we can just take a look because we've got our two different approaches. We're going your traditional route where you've sent in a proposal and a contract, and I'm going this more agile route where I've got kind of a spritz of work, which is fixed fees, but it could go any direction. So we can look at how that might impact on how we get our next clients. But I, I think the thing is, I've noticed this recently, I've seen a couple of polls in Facebook groups asking about, this is a common one, where do you get your clients from? And we're stepping into the shoes of being, you know, we've just been lucky to get this person. And nearly the answer that you get for most people is really unsatisfactory <laughs> if you're starting out, which is, oh, they kind of just turn up or their referrals. And that's really all that people get. So we'll explore, shall we, the other options here yeah. um, with that in mind. Yeah. And there's absolutely <laughs> loads of different ways. And, and also what I would say is that, and I think probably you and I have both learned this along our journey, is that your way is not my way and my way will not be your way. And the same will be true for just about everybody that's listening. I, I think a lot of it resides on your personality and what you are yeah. prepared to do. And there's definitely going to be red lines, which will <laughs> inhibit you, certainly inhibit me from doing certain things, which other people are very successful at. So I don't think there's too much anxiety necessary if you're not doing it in inverted commas, the successful way that you read in all these other Facebook groups. Essentially, if if you if you are getting clients, whatever way is working for you, that's your way. And if you can perfect it and make it work and have a have a nice steady flow of clients, and it's got nothing to do with any technique you've ever heard from anybody else, who cares? So long as it's yeah. working. Exactly. And the type of client you want to work with is, is going to change how you're going to go about marketing. But uh, yeah, shall we talk about the kind of first route? And that's got a lot of things under this umbrella of networking. So uh, I say networking to you, Nathan, and you go, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my experience. I, I, okay. So let, let's begin. Let's reiterate what I just said. If networking works for you, whatever that might mean, you know, networking yeah. might be different. My experience of it, as you're about to find out, is basically horrific then all power to you but for me i i really my personality doesn't feel 
like it fits very well with networking. I associate networking with things like breakfasts or lunches or, you know, evening meals where a bunch of people who on the whole don't know each other very well but have a business interest in the local area or in some niche get together um, have a bit of a have a bit of a drink have a bit of a chat sometimes it's built around a presentation of something or other and then the intention is that everybody kind of gets up and introduces themselves and starts to mingle and you try to Mm. share out the work that's available and and I've just found this whole system to be it's something that I find massively unpleasant. I'm not very good in those situations. I tend to sit back. I I essentially just want to talk to one person and get to know that person for the whole hour, as opposed to three minutes here, four minutes there. And and I'm 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 often struck by the people that seem to be successful in that situation. Just how different they are to me. You know, they're prepared to walk up to complete strangers and announce themselves and talk immediately about their business. Whereas I just want to get to know the people. So, yeah. So there we go. I fell at the first hurdle, which is networking. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I've never been part of a business meetup and um, one of my brothers goes to these kind of things. But uh, my only experience, as I've mentioned before, was going to some courses where, if you like, business owners with sites were learning how to kind of manage their sites, so Google Analytics, those kind of things. And when I mentioned what I was doing, then they kind of groaned at me. And uh, I thought, well, that's that's probably what it would be like in local business meetups. You know, there's going to be somebody like me trying to sell some online service to people and they won't like it. Um, so I've... I've avoided it. And then since really, I mean, I was traveling before I got into this business. So it's not been something I could easily do. Yeah. Well, the intention, I think, at these networking sessions is to spread yourself reasonably thin, you know, to make the most of the opportunity. Here's a here's a bunch of 20 people in the room. It would be good if you could speak to as many of those 20 as possible. However, as I said, I just want to get to know somebody quite well. And so every time I've done it, essentially, I've ended up with talking to one or two people for the entire time. And what's interesting is they're clearly in the same boat as me because they're speaking to me for the whole time. You know, they haven't felt the urge to go, all right, nice to meet you. Bye bye. And off they go. They've they've kept with me for the whole time. And, And very often we've talked about how we find this whole situation very uncomfortable. Interestingly, though, I did actually get a bit of work out of the the one or two people that I spoke to. Um, it didn't work the other way because in 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 every situation where that happened, their what they had as a business was of no interest to me at all. But it turned out that they did need a website, so I suppose I shouldn't be berating it so badly because some work did come out of it. But I think if you're very gregarious and you're very outgoing and you have that certain sort of confidence in yourself and being able to walk up to strangers and launch into your perhaps pre-prepared or doesn't have to be pre-prepared if you're very good in those situations and feel that you can do yourself justice, then I guess go for it. It will probably benefit you greatly. But I think it's just a personality type. And I'll bet there's a bunch of people listening who totally identify with what I'm saying. And equally, there's probably a load of people listening who are just saying, "Shut up, Nathan! You just just get on with it. Stop being such a such a <laughs> such a crybaby." But you kind of, I mean, the scenario you're describing sounds to me kind of like business speed dating, you know? Um, well, that's what it felt like. That's a really great description of it. That is what it felt like. And so, if you're involved in some sort of network organisation and and you think, "Wow." Nathan, you just had a really bad experience. Well, I, I did quite a few times. That's always the way it played out. 
maybe things have moved on and I, I just was in the wrong room with the, with the wrong organisation. A lot of these meetings, I mean, I'm, I'm really naive when it comes to this, but don't a lot of these uh, allow a presentation to be done. So, you know, local business people, you, you, you could offer something as a presentation. So let's imagine you say, can I go and talk about, you know, how you might be able to get more traffic for your site or some of the key areas where your site might be letting you down. And you're not really pitching, you're just giving this information for things that they could do to their sites. And then you, you know, just let them know who you are. That sounds like, you know, you're, you're a speaker in that situation. Yeah. And as I've said multiple times on this podcast, I, I can do this level of public yeah. speaking where I'm basically talking to you, David, or an interview yeah. guest, and I'm looking at a screen. I'm happy with that. But in, in public, I'm, <laughs> you know, doing doing a stand-up in front of 20 people is would fill me with dread. So, yeah, I, th- I think I've just basically got unlucky. And the reason I know that is because I have several friends who attend... I have to say they don't attend the same ones that I did because they don't live where I live, but they, they attend regularly networking sessions. And and in, in one case in particular that I'm thinking about, I won't go into it, but it has transformed their business. They are incredibly mm. successful. And they it's got nothing to do with web development, I should say. And they mm. they completely put all of it, they reckon that most of their work comes through connections from network sessions or connections gained at you, do you know what I mean? Like, like a proxy, somebody that you met at a networking session, then goes out and sells your service on behalf of you. But it all ties yeah. up to the networking infrastructure, and and they love it. Yeah, yeah. The other, I mean, the other thing is making friends in related industries is another way of doing that. So you might be able to sort of you know recommend. I don't know if you know somebody in print, you, they, you could recommend them for that work and they recommend you for the web work, that kind of stuff. The whole thing always just seemed very cold to me. It always mm. it always seemed like there was, um, yeah, I mean, it was basically just a bunch of cold leads in one room mm. at the same time and you had to, had to sort of convince them in about five or six minutes. That's what it looked like anyway, that, that you, you had what they needed to do. And so... It, it, I don't know. It always just sound felt a little bit disingenuous to me. But um, yeah, I should stop. I should stop mm. banging on it because it's uh, obviously working for some people. Yeah, fa- I mean, friends and family. That is a, a kind of networking of its own. I mean, some people are very cagey about what they do for a living. Other people just kind of want to pass that on to let you let people know that I do this. You know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, what are you? So we're, we're lumping friends and family and all sorts of different things into networking. Mm, so yeah. what, what we've been describing so far is 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 that business meetup for breakfast or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, but so maybe we should differentiate now. We're, we're moving into more friends and family networking stuff. Yeah, that's definitely worked for me. Random events have worked for me mm. where I've just bumped into somebody and got talking to somebody. I was telling you a story just before we begin about something mm. that happened a couple of a few weeks ago where, you know, there's no good reason at all that I should have had any expectation of um, building a website off the back of it. But somebody phoned me just recently and said, actually, can we can we chat about having a website built? I don't know if anything will come of it or what have you, but yeah. there, it was just a completely random social situation. Yeah, I, I think... Um, some people are really good at doing that wherever they find themselves. Um, friends of ours who travel like me, uh, I think are a lot smarter on engaging people on conversations, you know, as they're moving around on an, in an airplane, they might chat to somebody, get to learn about them, tell them what they do, and it might just 
turn into something. I'm pretty poor at that kind of stuff. And I'm yeah. going to try and get a bit better because it's a nice way to get work because it feels natural. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, talking about the pros, really, of the whole networking thing. I mean, it, it's difficult when it's a forced situation. But generally, if we go with the idea that people do buy from people and that they, we are, as human beings, hardwired to trust those people we know, then, you know, it's got to be the best way of kind of finding new work, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it always it always felt to me like I'm I'm going to employ somebody to fix my boiler who's been recommended to me by somebody that I know who's had their boiler fixed. It's just yeah. a kind of human nature, isn't it? I don't quite know where that comes from. You know, I'd, I'd rather phone that person up and exhaust that possibility before I went on to onto Google and trusted some sort of star rating system over yeah. the personal recommendation. Now, I, I, that could be completely ridiculous. It may be that, you know, these websites that directories of various different things uh, are actually very effective and they, they categorize things well and star ratings do actually work. But for me, yeah, the personal thing is always going to trump. You know, if I know them or know somebody that knows them, it definitely makes a difference. And so that that feels like a really good use of your time is to yeah. bolster those connections and anybody that you've worked with. So, for example, our fictional client, Mrs. A, if mm. she's your first client, you know, you've got to hit that one out the park and make sure that she knows that you're available for more work. And if she's got any friends or colleagues or, you know, family members that might be in, in need of a website, well, send them my way. That, those kind of things, I think, are the, it's like building a spider's web over. It might not bear fruit very quickly, but over time, yeah. if you endeavor to build that spider's web and connect all these friendship dots and connect all these clients with friends and make the client your friend and talk to you know people, like you said, on the boss and are open about it, that over yeah. time totally will work. But it might be a long, a long, long story getting it built. Yeah, we skipped over that section, actually, that we were talking about, that we were asking about whether existing clients are led on to more work. And in my case, quite quite a lot, you know, and the last couple, I mean, the one I'm doing presently looks like they'll have a second site and the one before that has turned into three with a recommendation coming through them. And then previously I've had, you know, I've got seven sites by one client and that's made me realize myself that I need to take a bit more interest in the client I've got, which is why I wanted to talk about this at this point rather than save it till the end. Yeah. Um, because I've really learned a little bit about that. Often there is more than one website in people, but when they contact you, they are thinking only about this particular project that they want to do. So I've it's, I've really opened my eyes up to the fact that I ought to spend a bit more time learning a bit more about the client themselves and what they do outside of this one build. I think that works both ways. I think not only are your clients very likely to have more more fingers in more pies than you know about because they may mm. you know they may have a a shop or something and that's the site that you're currently building but it may be that you know they have more than a shop they might have something else and unless you ask those questions you're not going to know equally i was really guilty of um not letting them know the different things that i could do and whilst i don't mm -hmm. do so much of that anymore in the day i used to do sending out emails that was a that was a part of my business but I would fail to mention it on multiple occasions and then 
in the end, somehow that conversation would get broached. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I can do that. And they'd say, oh, we never knew you did that. So I think yeah. you've got to be open to letting them know about all the services that you do, as well as yep. asking them about all the services that they provide. And, you know, the interesting thing is, I think a lot of the work that's come in is they've come to me because they want a website. And they some of them have got some skills in building those. And they maybe had a, an attempt, but they realize this one needs a bit of functionality that they don't understand. So they've talked about that. And really... You know, once I've had that first conversation about what they want and they can't do, mostly I'm finding out what they really want, which is usually more leads and more traffic to their site, which opens it up wider. So often what I found out is that they've they've done some building of their own on sites where I might be able to help with them, but they'd not even crossed their minds and it wouldn't have crossed my mind if I hadn't gone down a kind of path with them talking about more things than I would would have done in the early days yeah. so i'm definitely looking to existing clients while i'm building the site because that's the time while you're building it when you're going to talk to them the most and understand a bit more about them you know to represent them properly so i just yeah. think yeah i'm going to be more open to that in future i don't have any data on it but i'm i'm imagining it is way easier to get more work out of existing clients than it will yeah. be to find new clients every time for the you know the schedule that you've got available like i could be wrong about that maybe somebody can tell us the data that really <laughs> highlights what the truth is there but it feels like if you've got a good relationship and you've struck up a good relationship with somebody that's a bit of a no brainer isn't it if you can become their default go to website person then yeah. there's work there that that would be easier to find than if you had to start from scratch every single time. I am, I'm curious about your, your clients who come back and do multiple sites with you. Is that, is that because they're starting the site again over and over, you know, it's, it's two years and it's gone out of date and they just want a different feel and look to it. No. Or is it that they have literally got different arms to their, you know, they've got more irons in the fire. They're like an octopus with different tentacles, different businesses, so my question really is, are they rebuilding the same site or is it just different businesses that they need help with? Yeah, uh, well, there are different businesses. So there's a different take on it. The, the present site at the moment, it seems vaguely because they've got, uh, I'm not going to really talk too much about them, but they've got yeah. a place of business which they're trying to sell, which other people who do the same job of them. So they've almost got a, they could be, booking rooms in this place, that could be one website. They also got to sell their services, which they carry out within those rooms. And also their services could also work very well as a separate thing online, as an online thing only. So effectively they could go down the route of three sites out of one initial site. Now, I don't know if that's gonna happen, but very similar things happened with um, somebody else as well. They've got these extra kind of ways they can present what they do. So there's that, but also the one when I mentioned there were seven, that's interesting because their business just changed over time. So three separate websites were built, were brought together under one roof. And then they, so kind of two of them disappeared. Right. One extra one came in. But then on top of that, they decided that they needed to niche with certain of the things to different markets. So new websites appeared. And then the, the most recent one is because they need to go for a market, a European market rather than a UK one with a particular brand that they've got 
so endlessly these new sites keep coming out of this same configuration first it was companies then it was the type of product they were selling and it was the type of people they're selling their product to all turning into different websites yeah interesting yeah, yeah. I, but also i'm glad that we've raised that point because if you are fresh to this well, you, yeah who knows you may have been doing it for years and never really got this <laughs> point and i didn't but it is it is worth asking, isn't it? It's get worth getting these people on the phone or whatever way you communicate best and saying, you know, what else do you need help with in the on in the online sphere? Because we can probably do a lot more than we've currently been uh, been able to do. So easier to to get your your clients that you've already got to to give you more work probably than it is to to yeah. find new work. Speaking of new work, the last point on your list that you created on, under the networking session is about content creation, you know, blogging and yeah. making blog posts. And presumably nowadays we're talking about YouTubing and and, in, and podcasting and what have you. Do, you. do you see that as an important bit? Did you ever stick with the blogging? Did that ever work for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's over six years of kind of doing this kind of stuff, including this podcast and the YouTube stuff and that, and not a single client that is suitable for me. I've had some inquiries, just not the right type of business. They want something different from me. So in terms of making websites for people, absolutely no use at all. Yeah. But, you know, the good side of it is, although it's not generated work, I mean, you know, we're friends due to starting content you know this this is the good side right okay got it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just 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 double checking yeah but it's interesting if you think about the nature of this podcast we, we, we totally yeah. misaligned it if we wanted to get clients from it because we're we're our audience <laughs> yeah. is very much talking to people who already do what we do but if if we decided to do a podcast oh i don't know all about um car mechanics and how to repair things that you know and you are a car mechanic that that would totally work for me um, yeah. you, know, you see that somebody's got an expertise and you need something done and so you go to them but I think we've just chosen the wrong the wrong audience how dare you our audience be the wrong audience you, <laughs> just, you know can you phone David up immediately and offer him some work please <laughs> Yeah, you do. Well, the interesting thing is you've just tied up something which we should mention at the end when we start talking about the change, this the agile challenge, the, the thing that I'm trying to do, because that links in to making my content maybe turn into work. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. But okay. one thing I wanted to mention just on the friends and family, I have this theory I'm pretty, I'm sure it's true. My old colleague who got me all the work in the first place. I mean, I got I got started because I helped somebody out, which was networking for no cost, you know, and that led to some work. So I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for helping out a friend. But I think what I've always felt is that you could make a good business out of friends and family. Because if on average, I think there was some statistic about most people know or have contacts with about a thousand people. You think how many people now need a website of some kind or another, you know, you've you probably, without going out and marketing at all, you know, if you just know how to communicate with your friends and family, you could probably run a good business on that. I'm going to I'm going to agree with that, but I'm also going to spell out the obvious chasm, <laughs> abyss that's there in that, you know, falling out with um, uh, somebody that you work with is less likely to come back and bite you than falling out with a close family member you yeah. know so do be mindful that uh, you know we, we do sometimes fall out with clients or it doesn't quite work out and if they're if they're a close friend you may need to may need to weigh that in the balance because well yeah. yes exactly you yeah. don't want to be uh, well 
I mean, something that's changed over the years I've been doing it is that I'm much less precious about things. But in the earlier days, I would have fallen out with print. I would have no friends or family, I think, if, <laughs> if <laughs> yeah. I'm just building their yeah. sites. But nowadays, yeah, I'm a bit more relaxed. So, yeah. I, I know work. people who've been very successful with blogging as a strategy, but they have uh, been incredibly driven and very regular. Um, mm. And that, that that I feel nowadays is pretty much the only way to, to do it. Um, you know, weekly, possibly more frequent than that, articles aimed directly at a problem that your niche face faces with mm. large amounts of data driven in there and large amounts of thought put into the the length of the article and the quality of the article and, and so on. But I, I do I do know people who've mm. turned that into a from zero to hero, basically, in a very short space of time. They managed to make their business successful because of blogging. But I think you need to get onto that um, roller coaster knowing that it's a long journey. Yeah, I, d I don't, you know, for kind of the work that I want, it's not really a sensible strategy because, I mean, to be honest, once you've started making successful content, you might as well just become a content creator because there's probably more money in that than there is building websites for people. You yeah, know? yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Have we tied up networking, do you think, then? That's yeah, done. That bit. Okay, so I'm just going to reiterate. So we've done local business meetups, friends and family, um, random strangers, we touched on that a little bit, uh, helping mm. people out and then content creation, particularly blogging. All right, great. Okay, so now we're going on to the next one, which you've, you've titled yeah. Cold Calling. Yeah, so, um, well, this could be anything really. Um, again, uh, sending out email sequences to target websites that you've seen. You've, uh, I've done that and you've done that on the phone. I've done that with an email sequence where it's yep. gone out to a whole bunch of people who you thought their site's falling apart and they need updating. And uh, you told me you did a similar thing. Yeah, I, I did mm. it and I'm sure the same would be true of you. Over the last decade, there's been definite moments in our industry where mm. there's been a great excuse, shall we say, yeah. to reach out to people. So, for example, the moment where Google decided that SSL certificates needed to be across the web, that felt like a real moment where you could reach out to people who genuinely didn't know that that was happening. And you could say to them, look, are you prepared for this? And that cold email was actually of some use. And then responsive websites became mm. a thing and so on. And it felt like the last one of those is Google's core web vitals, you know, the, the move yeah. to making those things happen. Felt, felt like that was possibly a moment. Problem with that one, I think, is it's very technical and difficult for just about anybody, including us, to understand, let alone trying to mm. explain that to a client. <laughs> so I picked my moment based around responsive sites. So I, all I did really was go out and found sites that were unresponsive in the local area. And I wrote, I think, probably about 40 emails, largely off a template, introducing mm. myself, explaining the problem. And, and I wrote something specific to all of them. So it was, you know, on your on your homepage, you've got this particular problem and I would explain it. So it was pretty obvious to them if they read it. That uh, that I was talking to them, not just some generic email, didn't work at all. Mm. Total failure. Yeah, and I did the same. Probably somewhere between forty and sixty emails we sent out to people who didn't have a certificate, wasn't mobile responsive, and there would be some other issue with their site. But I didn't really 
focus on the issues with their sites. I just kind of said that, you know, this was a, a kind of special deal, if you like, to quickly make a new modern site that might do this. It's only hinting. I didn't want to sort of say, you've got a problem and here's the solution. But, you know, I only got one, it led to one small meeting which went nowhere. And I just thought it was what I expected, to be honest. I just wanted to yeah. test it out. Yeah. Well, mine led to, in I think, of let's say I sent 40. That feels about like the number. I had one reply, which led to an email exchange, which yeah. probably led to, you know, five or six backwards. And then it just went cold. So in the end, nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, cold calling can work. I mean, if you're trying, if you're trying to get business of, you know, you know 10,000 per project plus, then it makes sense. But for someone like me who might, you know, if they go for the, the smallest website and those were the people, you know, what are they going to give me? They're going to give me, you know, uh, uh, 500 quid or something like that, maybe uh, <laughs> a thousand because they're going to be these people who are not looking after the site. So they're probably just not worth it. And I, I just tested it just out of interest to see how it yep. would kind of work and who would pick up the emails. And it was on a sequence. So, you know, it ran for I think three emails so yeah did nothing but, yeah um, mine was exactly the same flavor of you know there was a sequence and it was supposed to do this that and the other I, I don't know maybe it's just me and you in this case not wording that correctly or maybe we just didn't play the odds enough maybe it needed to be more like 500 emails instead of 40 but just it, it, <laughs> it just didn't feel like it was going anywhere to me and the, the amount of time that I spent doing that didn't yeah. repay anything so I, I quickly curtailed it because you can't keep drowning in in that kind of exercise if it's costing you time and money so quickly wound it up so yeah the whole cold emailing thing didn't work for me and I, I did once try cold calling and yeah. similar enterprise really just the same moment in time I think probably it was where you know, I, I could speak to somebody. I can't even remember how it worked. There was some service back in the day. And I'm sure there's services that assist you with this. You would you would type in to the SaaS, whatever the platform was called, the, the name of the business, and it would return you an email address and a telephone number. So it was obviously scraping the internet mm. somehow and give you their name. And, mm. and I would phone up and ask to speak to that particular person. And, and I did that at a couple of, exactly the same problem. Nobody wanted to hear from me. They had a busy day. They were just like anything to get me off the phone, which I was more than happy with because frankly, I was feeling horrible and I wanted to get off the phone as well. So I don't have a great experience to share with that. But again, if you're really good at that sort of stuff, we were mm. talking about estate agents, weren't we? Where, mm. you know, salespeople, estate agents, if you work in a travel firm or whatever it might be, some people are just born with that gift, aren't they? They just have it. And they yeah. can, they, you know, me sitting next to them and talking to the exact same person, I would get nowhere. And those people who've got that gift and that talent and have educated themselves in how it works, they can convert, you know, they can, in, in, the, in the phrase, they can send, sell sand to the Arabs, if you know what I mean. It's just easy to do. Yeah. And it's a kind of mindset because I'm the last person you would expect to be quite good at cold calling, but that used to be my job, training people to get these surveys for the government, and I did it for 15 years, and I did the job myself. And you get into that mentality where your response figures, how many successes you've had with the addresses you've given, is is your badge of honour, and you really get into it. But it, 
it, it's very difficult to have that mindset and also have the kind of designer empathy talking to, do you know what I mean? They kind of, yep. I couldn't combine them. So I couldn't do what I did in a previous life, but, but I think it can be very successful. I mean, it, people turning up at businesses, you know, they maybe put a calling card before and then they said, I'll call up some other time and do that in the same way that we would do that in our job. And people employ salespeople to do that. There were some people who are really great at that. Yell.com, they employ people to go around to usually business estates and drop something off and talk to people. And as soon as uh, there's any sort of vague interest in what they may, might need to offer, they will just keep following up because they're just salespeople, you know, with that mentality. And, it, you know, it's really successful for them. I think that business, Yell.com, and they have another Hibu is their name, I think, for their online enterprise. It has a kind of bad reputation, but it's more for the the quality of the website. But their sales force are remarkably successful. Yeah, they've obviously trained their staff to do that. Mm. I, I, suddenly, what's coming into my mind is that I think I am I think I am predisposed to to be. Oh, what's the word here? To to be really mindful and a bit cynical of advertising. Um, I don't know where that's mm. come from, to be honest with you. But, you know, when I see adverts on the television and they make bold claims, I, I, I often find myself sort of totting and say, oh, it doesn't do that, does it? You know, that, that face cream, that can't possibly do all those things. And you're just bamboozling us with clever words which don't mean anything, you know, some pseudo-science jargon. And <laughs> yeah. I, I find myself doing this and and i wonder if really i'm i'm not doing myself any favors because i see i see when people try to sell to me i i see it as that and i see the mm. the possibility for me being bamboozled into a service or a product that i don't really need uh, as an example somebody came around the other day and just knocked on the door and um it was about sell you know you can't make it up it's it's the the uk's most prolific horror show it's selling windows and and i don't quite know how it happened but the guy got me at the wrong moment and i i just i think more to make him go away than anything else i i said oh yeah sure phone me up and of course he did phone me up and and then i had to extricate myself from that but it was quite interesting the language that he used i could feel myself being manipulated you know, mm. he was asking me things like, um, do you have a wife? And I'm like, well, what's this got to do with anything? Okay, well, I'll tell it. Yes, I've got a wife. Well, can we make sure she's there as well? And, I was, and at this point, I'm like, no, this is not happening. We're, you know, you are just trying to stack the odds in your favor. Anyway, total yeah. tangent there. But I, I wonder if I am not the best person to talk on this particular subject because I, I feel the more we're talking about it, the more predisposed I am to be suspicious mm. of things like cold calling yeah but you know i mean obviously face-to-face -face works the best i mean you know my organization trying to gather statistics paid an awful lot of money for us to keep knocking on people's doors and show our faces compared to any other form over the telephone or anything just because once somebody's got to know you once you've got over that hurdle it's always that tricky bit when you first meet them and it's like, what do you want? And you can see the cynicism and there's kind of ways of dealing with that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's again about people, isn't it? People buy from people and, and it's very difficult to extricate yourself from an, a pleasant engagement with another human being. 
Yeah, 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 it's interesting. But cold calling for me has never worked. I'll, I'll tell you a story about my accountant who's got this really quite, I think, yeah. quite ingenious idea. And he does cold leafleting, which yeah. is to say, but it's targeted cold leafleting. He, he's an accountant, and so obviously he's trying to drum up new business. So his primary audience for new businesses, new businesses who need an accountant. And what he does is he goes goes around the town doing his normal work, driving his family around and being around on business. But his car always has a, a constant supply of leaflets promoting mm-hmm. his accountancy firm. And whenever he sees a business that's gone out of business, in other words, he sees a shop front that is now empty. There was mm-hmm. Last week there was a business there selling something. This week that shop is empty. He just pulls over the car and he throws a bunch of his leaflets in, knowing that at some point a business will go into that, take it over, take on the lease, and will need probably accountancy services. And, and he's convinced it pays off tenfold. You know, it's a few seconds out of his day to screech the car to a halt, yeah. throw a leaflet in and walk off. That's the end of it for him. He doesn't do any sort of follow-up. And he, he's absolutely sure that that's worked because he sees the leaflets coming back to him. I think it's fabulous, that, as an idea. Yeah, I mean, it's really that. local, isn't it? You know, it, it's not going to work yeah. on, a, on an international scale. But if you are in the local area, I would say that that technique could bear fruit yeah. for websites because as, you know, in the same way that a new business is going to need uh, an accountancy firm, probably, they're also probably going to need a, a website. I, I never tried it, but I always thought that was worth a shot at least mm. and it moves into our next section which is just marketing on and offline marketing so online there's obviously our websites uh where we can advertise and facebook ads google ads we can put on lead magnets which i think you said you used as well haven't you as yeah. a way of trying to get people's email address yeah yeah i mean there's there's all sorts isn't there facebook ads i've used uh mm. google ads i've used uh, I've tried lead magnets and all these kind of things. I'm feeling, uh, now, now we're sort of like 40 minutes into this episode, I'm feeling that, I don't know if, if you're feeling this as well, I'm feeling like I've, I've poo-pooed absolutely everything that's come along. <laughs> yeah. Sort of said, oh, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. Um, and I'm going to continue that terrible trend <laughs> because I have tried Facebook ads and that has worked for me in the past. I won't go into that, but that has worked. But um, Google Ads, largely because I, I couldn't summon up the energy to keep tweaking them and altering them, that, that eventually I curtailed because it, it didn't appear to bear fruit for me. And the lead magnet that I had on my website, again, probably because it had the wrong messaging and I think the sequence was too long and it was asking too many questions and, you know, I just think it should have been a lot shorter. I, um, I didn't get a lot out of that either, but I know that these tact- tactics do work. And they yeah. they are certainly worth following at the at the early stages if you can make it work. Mm. I, I've not really tried any of these, so and I don't expect people to come to my website because um, I've got no location. I think if you're competing locally, you can try and uh, you can try and make your website do well in search rankings for your area. But I don't have that, so yeah. So I've got nothing when it comes to online marketing, really. I think things um, like Facebook ads, in particular. Just because mm-hmm. of the signals that they get, you know, if if you're a mm. if you're a Facebook user and you are, I don't know, get, suddenly joining all sorts of local business meetup groups and you know you're clearly searching for things which identify you as a as a startup business in need of startup business services, I think that could bear fruit because the, the targeting that they've got is just extraordinary. Now, whether or not you 
like that is one other conversation to have. But I think that might be worthwhile injecting um, some time into looking how Facebook ad works and the, the audience that you could possibly build up there because mm. they really do seem to have a, an incredible knowledge about who you are and what it is that you need at this moment. I mean, you've seen it for yourself, right? You browsing on yeah. Facebook and suddenly you realize that there's an ad there for something that you actually do need. And it's like, what is the signal they got for that? No yeah. idea, but there it is right in front of my eyes. Yeah. Um, the offline efforts really are always going to be local, aren't they? I can't think of, well, you know, on our level, of course, um, you know, so local papers, radios, billboards, posters, that kind of thing. Yeah, did you ever do any swag. of that? Did you ever get into, you know, that? No, no. well, you know, we, we've, it's one of the embarrassing things I keep returning to, my famous poster idea, which I'm going to be putting up. Oh, on this yeah, in the railway, railway station. station, yeah. I'm, I'm still saving that one. I'm still, when I've got my plan of what's going on that poster, I'm still going to use that. But otherwise, no, nothing. I've um, I've toyed with this idea. I, I, you know, local newspaper, there is still a local newspaper here. But it's now once a week. By all accounts, it's read by almost nobody. And I have no idea how it continues to exist other than, you know, the advertising revenue. I can't for a minute imagine they make money out of sales of the actual physical paper. So that as that ship, locally for me at least, long ago sailed. Local radio is still going. Again, I don't know in this era of Spotify and, you know, on-demand telly all competing for our attention i don't know if local radio is still still winning but occasionally when i do switch it on it's full of adverts for local companies and it's very inexpensive to put those ads on so certainly where i live that that might be something i would consider the toyed with the idea of putting a local billboard you know like an actual advertising hoarding in, in the local rugby ground it seemed like a really good um demographic the, the sort of rugby crowd and have, there seems to be a lot of people in that demographic anyway, starting up businesses and what have you. Uh, never did do it, but a, a friend of mine who is in the same business as us, he has done it and he continues to do it. And he's been going for probably five or six years with a, a hoard, an advertising hoarding in a sports ground and totally worked. Never, never gone into the arena of creating knickknacks, you know, pads of paper and calendars and you wrote down fridge magnets. Never, I've never done any of that. I, I, maybe that's a nice way to keep people thinking about you that are already your customers, especially the calendar, because it's there all year, right? But um, never done any of that either. No, I've not really done anything like that. I mean, I've often thought that there might be ways of being able to attract attention in a local area by maybe, I don't know, making a big public show of a challenge to make some charitable sites or something like that in a very you know a way that might include a lot of people and because people are trying to fill up their kind of radio local radio stations and their local papers with something you might get some attention but that's all I've ever thought about doing yeah there's a lot of options though that's the important thing to for this podcast mm. isn't it it's just a we're trying to although we seem to be like I said earlier poo-pooing everything we are at least <laughs> at least raising them and you can try these out on your own so moving on yeah we just wanted to well the last bit really which I, I just wanted to throw in the traditional and agile kind of approaches so it's really I guess my kind of propaganda with this thing and I did some stuff over on my simple revolutions blog oh my god David on hold on yeah, wait a sec by promotion sorry Hello. wait a sec uh, I've just realized I haven't been recording because when you drop back in 
<laughs> it was you, off. I have to set you up on a channel, and I didn't. It didn't occur to ah. me. I'd forgotten. So we'll have to go back. Bugger. Sorry about that. It's totally my fault. And I've only just spotted it. You will now be recording. Do you mind if we just go back and do that little bit again? Yeah. So, so okay. we're going back to the question of me saying yeah. I've done none of the local stuff. Have you ever done any of that? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I've not done any local stuff because I was traveling before I really got into trying to find some web clients. So, But I've often thought that, you know, you could create events in a local area because people want to fill up their radio stations and newspapers and stuff with something. So if you, uh, someone else did something like that, where they made a big show of doing a free charitable site and made it very public and very challenging, so they would build it in a quick time and ask people to get involved in it. So, yeah, I think there are ways you could do that kind of stuff if you've got a local audience. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think although you and I are obviously not the best best place to to sort of shout yeah. about the benefits of this because it's not been working too well for us at least we've highlighted the fact that there's all these different things you know local radio billboards posters fridge magnets calendars uh, leafleting cold calling all of that all available if it fits your personality yeah okay moving so, on we'll just yeah, we'll just end up a bit, because this kind of agile approach thing is kind of new to both of us, and it's something that I'm exploring with my route. I just wanted to contrast that when it comes to the marketing. So, I mean, agile doesn't offer anything when it comes, you know, down to marketing, but it does have in its agile manifesto, it's about uh, individuals and interactions over processes and tools and customer collaboration over contract negotiation. And when you start to think about these key values, and stuff and delivering to clients, it starts to make you think a little bit, I think, about how we would do our messaging to get new clients. So I, I've got a bit of a thing at the moment where other, we taught, <laughs> we must go back a little bit, we did a whole series, didn't we, on a book called Watertight Marketing. Yes. And we looked down the sales funnel, starting at the top where people first hear about you and, and the emotional impact it has, and it works down through all the processes. So I think it was quite interesting. I did this on kind of my own blog, looking at that from an agile perspective. And it has made me think about how I'm going to change my messaging from the beginning to away from uh, what we can do for you. You know, we can get you more business leads, you can have a beautiful site to let us show you what you can do. Because I'm thinking now what's stealing a lot of my business is people who are going off, you know, even people who are my customers going doing other sites with page builders. And some people come in now to, with things that they've already started building with a page builder and then they need help. I wanted to get in a little bit ahead of that and say, well, I use a page builder. So, you know, will I do some content or get the message over? Well, if you're wondering whether you want to do a page builder or hire a web designer, why not just have the best of both? and get someone and work together. Nice. Yeah, I like it. That's an interesting approach. Just curious, with these new leads that you're hoping to generate, are you going to yeah. use the word agile? No. No. <laughs> I, I'm just, I don't, it's not a term I've used at all when having conversations with people about doing the work because I don't need to. I just really yeah. explain the logic about how it might work. So... Yeah, it's more like yeah. you're going to use like DIY or do it with me and yeah, all those kind of yeah, phrases. Sort of, but in a way, I'm just talking about what they need. In the same way that I would with the traditional model, all I'm doing is 
changing it. But the other thing, can I just throw in about one other thing that is mm. a big influence to me, which is a Daniel Pink book called Drive, which talks about motivation. And it's a very academic book. It's based on a lot of research done by, uh, uh, you know, serious organizations about how, and it's influencing how we're looking at work and it's influencing Agile as well, because it's realizing that people are not really rewarded by financial gain unless it's a really menial task that you need to do people just need to learn to do stuff they like to master instruments in their free time at weekend and they like being able to self-determine and i think you know building that into an offering for a website where you can help them to feel like they do something is very much the agile approach isn't it working mm. as part of teams mm. and i think it allows you to put over a different kind of marketing to what you're left with with the traditional basically you say we can deliver you this kind of website but you you really need to meet people at the point where they've already decided they're going to commit a significant amount of money to um that yeah <laughs> i i guess time will tell whether or not those conversations are easy or hard to convert but the yeah. obviously from my perspective um, doing the waterfall, you know, the traditional, here's mm. a proposal, here's a figure, it's going to cost you, and here's the deadlines and so on. I, um, mm. I, think that's, I think that's just a really easy to understand methodology for anybody who's mm. getting a website built because it's, it's, it's kind of what you've always done. You know, you, you want to you wanna get your house extended, you're going to pay the builder, and hopefully you're going to get them on a, on a kind of fixed rate mm. so you know what the, the, the project costs are and everything. It's just no explaining to be done there. It's just it's just obvious, and and I think that that would fit well with marketing. Sorry, not marketing department, accountancy departments of firms. You know, they they just want to be clear how much it's going to cost us, and we know that it's never going to go beyond the bounds of that. And I think that you'll have a bit of explaining to do. And whilst there's easy mm. benefits to that, you sort of think, well, it'll be a small amount of money, frequently, hopefully, and we'll do it, and we'll do it in collaboration with each other. The the opposite, I think, will be true for a certain amount of people. They just want it off their desk. They don't want to do it with you. They just want it off the desk. They want to scope it out and then move on and carry on with their working life and pay the bill when it's done and, and everybody's happy. Yeah. No, I know that. And you you mentioned before the call about how you had two quotes in and one was given in hourly and one was given with a fixed fee and that the fixed fee seemed more appealing just because of that, you knew where you were. Yeah, so this and, is for a big, big-ish, not big mm. at all by any stretch of the imagination, but in my life, big, uh, mm. like a, a conversion of um, a property, garage, just our garage. Mm. And, and so, you know, it's not particularly cheap, but I just like the, I like the reassurance that that is the figure, uh, you know, and if, if it strays over that figure, if, if they suddenly discover some hidden lurking problem that nobody foresaw, that's mm. on them. That's for them to figure out, and it's got to be done under the auspices of that budget. Whereas if yeah. I go with the the other builder who's offering the exact same solution but is going to charge me hourly, it worries me that that could get away, you know, little minor delays. And, and I think that's that's a concern that people might have. You know, if they don't trust you, they might not they might not be convinced that you're going to work particularly fast because it's in your interest for things to take a little bit longer, shall we say. Um, and and those kind of concerns, I think you'll have to, uh, you know, assuage people's fears in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, I did kind of address this and did did a post on it because it's one that I've read a lot, and some 
other people said exactly the same about that. How do you, okay, it sounds nice. You work as a team and then you, you buy sprints as you need it, but people like a fixed figure. But I think when I've read about, and there was one particularly Dutch um, web design company who talked, did two articles about it and how they'd lost clients because they explained the logic of it. And they still went with a fixed fee because they just couldn't get it. And some people were angry. It's like, what kind of business are you where you can't give a clear quote? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, but actually, my, my answer to this one is that they, I think they were all getting stuck in the process of these uh, rather than the principle of it. Because in certainly on our level, it doesn't make a difference. The customer's always right. They come in, they say, what do you think it'll take? And I say, in my time, it will be an estimate of this. That's me doing the process, and then you would have to follow my process. But I leave it in in these um, sprints, so I say it'll be this number of sprints if we're doing it, where you leave me with the control. However, what happens with these things is that you probably want to respond to creative changes you have, and if that happens, then we can work together, and then you set the budget, and th and that's basically it. You give them the quote. Yeah. And then you give them the option also to change their mind and be more involved. And I think that's the best of both. And I think that's what Agile should be trying to do. It shouldn't be trying to say, this is better than a traditional approach. It clearly isn't. If the client leaves you to get on with it and follow your process, then you could give them a clear quote in the same way as, you know, if you would go to a car mechanic, most of the time they're going to be able to estimate how long it fixes it. If you were to go and get your uh, spanner out and, try and help them with it <laughs> That's mess it right. up and it'll take longer <laughs> but, yeah see how that goes yeah so sometimes it's really worked well with the clients because they've i've estimated there are two sprints and because they know that they can work with me because the process allows that then they really get a move on and get into it and then they cut their time down so they control the budget to their favor so i i think you know i just think the agile route just gives us an option it's not it's an option for when things that you thought you knew at the beginning don't turn out the way you expected them. It gives you a route out and a, a way for a client to change their mind yeah, rather than yeah, forcing yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've probably got everything that we wanted to do there in terms of, you know, where's your next so. client coming from? That's the end of season one. I, I'm going to make a public apology. I feel like I've been down on marketing during the whole episode and it's not really my place to say, that you know these things don't work it's i feel that like they just don't work for me because of how my personality works and how inept i am at following things up so i just wanted to clear that up at the end <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think you've needed it and i think that's the one thing that it reminds you i think the whole thing about marketing whichever approaches you're using they're just the processes that i see. it's still how much how much of a human you are in those throughout whichever method you use you know yeah and yeah, i think that's... If, if you if you meet people anyway and they come to you then you don't need it if not there are these other ideas but i yeah. still think humanity is the thing that makes it work yeah it's a good it, it's a good point okay so series one is over do you want to yeah. just very briefly say what oh, yes. we're embarking on in series two just keep it to a yeah. minute or so yeah so uh yeah season two is going to be the build design which is kind of layout uh laying out content and branding that kind of stuff so we're looking at copy site structure home page layouts branding that kind of stuff aesthetics perfect, perfect. Yeah. so that'll that'll come your way in a couple of weeks time but uh yeah for now enjoyed that series yeah, one at an end thanks david that was brilliant thank you bye 
Well, that's it for this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. It is always a pleasure to chat to David Wormsley about these things. Perhaps you have an ingenious way of finding clients that we didn't mention. Perhaps you've found clients in mysterious and unusual ways, or perhaps just something that we missed out. If you'd like to give us some commentary, head over to wpbuilds.com and search for episode number 267. Alternatively, you can go to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook for our 3,000 plus member community, all very polite and all very good natured. It's all about WordPress and it's lovely to have such a nice community there. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook and you can always leave us a comment there. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by Cloudways. Cloudways provides the ultimate managed WordPress and WooCommerce hosting solutions. Easy setup allows you to get started in minutes. Focus on your business and say goodbye to hassles. Get started with their three free day trial to enjoy unmatched performance, superb uptime and 24-7 active support. Find out more at cloudways.com. And we thank Cloudways for helping us put on the WP Builds podcast. Okay, we will be back next week. Next week, it'll be an interview because we flip-flop between them, David and I. So look for that. Also, our This Week in WordPress show coming out every Monday, live at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. I hope you have a lovely week. Stay safe. Here comes some cheesy music. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>